I was out for my first 40 mile bike ride by myself. Um, my mom was just starting to get better and I hit my car and my bike. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life, a blessing. achieve your dream, and then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Well, I want to welcome Meriden McGraw. I met Meriden, I think it was two years now. And you were one of the, should I say like founders or you were managing the... Jeannie Parlin and I were the co-chairs. Co-chairs. Yes. Of UC's Integrative Medicine. And it was like an integrative medicine... Symposium. Symposium. Yes. Yes. For all their integrative health things. So there were speakers all day. Um, on nutrition, positive psychology, mindfulness, all these things. So um, I believe that um, I remember the people that I'm supposed to be like, do work or see again. I remember where you were when I met you and our conversation. Great. I hope I was wearing a good outfit. I'm sure you were. (laughs) You had to that day. Yeah. So Meriden is an entrepreneur. She's got degrees in psychology and public health but her her real purpose is in advancing mental wellness through teaching simple and directly applicable concepts to help people thrive. And we're going to get into that, but I first want you to share your story because it really impacts the direction and trajectory of your life. Mm-hmm. So you want to share a little bit of background about that. And are you from Cincinnati? I'm not. So okay. I'm not a Cincinnati native. That's all right. That's good. We need a mix. <laughs> My husband is though, so I think we're here to stay. Good. Um, good. I'm from Columbus. Now you've officially said that you can't leave. I know. Okay. And I've said it on a few different recordings now, so I think it's all right. Good. Stone. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, I love it here, so it's good. But I'm from Columbus originally, so not far. Um, I grew up there. Went to Miami for undergrad. Uh, graduated a semester early, actually, because my mom had breast cancer. So. Okay. Moved back to Columbus a semester early, got a job in the psychiatric unit um, at Ohio State. And I was training. There's a big bike ride called the Pelotonia. Have you heard of it? No. I, yes, I have because people confuse that with Pelotons. Yes. And like people I've in heard Columbus th- are obsessed with the race. Okay. So if you're in Columbus, you know it. You know it. Um, it's like Ohio State's big bike race. And you can ride 25, 50, or 100 miles. Okay. And you raise money for cancer research at the James. So I was going to ride 100 miles. I was training for it. And I was out for my first 40-mile bike ride by myself. Um, My mom was just starting to get better. And I hit my car and my bike. And I was in a wheelchair. So I broke um, bones in my left leg and my right arm and then had some hip damage. Okay, so so you're driving along, riding riding your bike. What mile were you at? I had just finished. Yes. You had just finished. Were people there? Yeah. So actually, I'd stopped at my ex-boyfriend's house, which is kind of funny because we'd gotten a little tisk. And he was like, well, I'll drive you home. And I was like, I- I'll ride. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's funny. I know. I always leave out that part of the story. That's good. Um, Thanks for including that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, and so it was a mile from my house to his house. So I had, a, I had just an extra mile to ride home. Um, I was on High Street in Clintonville for those Columbus people that are listening and um, just some woman, she had two little kids in the back seat. She totally just forgot to look right on red. Um, so completely an accident. Wasn't on her phone. Um, not really even her fault. Just an accident. Oh my god. Um, so she talk big, about guilt of that. Oh, I know. And she felt horrible. Um, but she had a big SUV, and obviously I'm on my bike, so I went up on the car. Um, and then right after, I was in shock. It's so crazy yeah. when those things happen. I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I tried to walk. Um, and I collapsed immediately 
And then luckily, my boy, Max's boyfriend, my boyfriend at the time, was three streets over. So I called him. He ran out. The ambulance came, went to the hospital. Uh, do you remember the pain? Or do you think your body went straight into shock and you... It went straight into shock. I did not feel pain until I was in the ER. So it was probably like two hours later. And someone bumped into my knee. And that's when it hit. And it was just radiating pain through my leg. Ugh. So... And it was funny because apparently the way my knee broke, um, it's a very unique break. So all these medical students were coming in <laughs> because they wanted to see the x-rays. And yeah. so I was kind you, of on You were sort of display. the freak. Yeah. 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 Right. But at that point, I think I'd had some pain Multiple medicine and was feeling trip. better. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feeling fine. Yes. Okay. So that happens. Mm-hmm. You're at home with your mom. Did you say you had a degree in psychology? Yes. Undergrad? So undergrad psychology. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so I was going to get a PhD in clinical psychology and that was my plan. Um, and I actually got accepted and was, um, deciding which program to attend. And then this happened and I was working in the psych unit at the time. So, um, had to be in a wheelchair and my office at the time was actually one of those padded cells from the seventies. Oh I know. So there's no windows, it's padded cell. And my boss would wheel me up and I would enter data all day into the computer um, and I just started feeling really down and depressed and um, unhappy. I mean, I couldn't do any kind of physical activity, which was my main source of stress outlet before that. Um, so many things. I couldn't do my makeup. I couldn't do my hair. Just things that you're used to. I couldn't yeah. bathe myself. Um, so the things that you're used to doing, I just couldn't do any of it. And um, I got introduced through actually a Google ad um, on mindfulness and John Kabat-Zinn. So I got introduced to mindfulness, John Kabat-Zinn. So he's considered kind of the father of mindfulness in the West. Okay. So he brought over a lot of these techniques, um, to UMass in the seventies. So J-O-N Kabat-Zinn, K-A-B-A-T-Z-I-N-N. Um, he's wonderful. He's now in his seventies. Um, but he's a fantastic resource speaker, teacher, um, if you're into mindfulness. You know what? And we will put that in our notes. Perfect. Okay. So you saw a Google ad. Saw a Google ad for John Kabat-Zinn, and it was a CD because we used CDs back then. And so amazing, I know, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, so I got my CD and I listened to it, and it just helped me calm down. It helped me feel better. And then with that experience, I started to look at how we were seeing our psychiatric patients. So I was working in clinical trials, and we were screening for suicidality, depression, anxiety. So we were seeing some really sick individuals. And of course, those individuals at that time needed medication and and interventions and treatment. But we weren't teaching them very basic things about their body, their breath, how to use breath to calm them down, um, mindfulness, um, different mind-body modalities and techniques that could help. And growing up, would you have considered yourself like a normal kid or did you, were you a fast-paced, full of energy, like how were you up until that point? Oh my God, I was so skeptical of all these things. I was like a type A perfectionist. Go, 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 go. I think I did 20,000 different activities in high school, right? Yeah. Like if you could sign up for it, I signed up for it. Um, like the continuously busy sort of person. Exactly, 100%. And so honestly, I think also when I was in the wheelchair it was the first time I was forced to slow down and stop. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't used to that. And a lot of us aren't. If we're never stopped or forced to slow down, we're never used to actually sitting with ourselves. So I did this cleanse maybe like eight years ago, and it was it was food, right? Yeah. But then it was meditation daily uh, and yoga like three or four times a week. But she also wanted us to, when we were in the car, not to listen to the radio, so to get more comfortable with silence. And, you know, 
I'm married. We don't have kids. We didn't have kids then. Yeah. And I would be in the house, like by myself, no TV, no music. Mm-hmm. It was a crazy difference. Now I will tell you, I, I got used to that and now I crave it. So if if there's a lot of TV going on, you know, a lot of noise, yeah. I tend to want to pull back from that a little bit. But that was a big shift because yeah. then you're you're like present. You're with only yourself. Exactly. And our minds can be these deep, dark places. Yeah. And if we're not taught it's okay to sit with that and be compassionate to ourselves, and if we're not taught how to do that, it can be really difficult if we're automatically or suddenly forced into that. Right. And unfortunately, in our society, that's how a lot of people find these techniques, is they either get cancer, they get sick, they get in a car accident, they have debilitating levels of stress. So they're almost forced into trying these techniques. Mm -hmm. And what I want to do is let's introduce these techniques to everyone as a prevention method, right? Right. We should all be able to sit. Okay, there's a study I quote, um, and I promise this makes sense. It'll loop back around. But there's a study that I quote that it was done with 100 men, 100 women. And they individually had to sit in a room for 15 minutes by themselves without their phones, without technology. And they could choose that or they could shock themselves, physically inflict harm upon themselves. And 25% of women and 67% of men chose to shock themselves, opposed to sitting by themselves for 15 minutes alone in silence. Okay, wait, that's a big difference between men and women. I know, that's like a whole different conversation, right? So in general, one-fourth of women and two-thirds of men don't feel comfortable sitting by themselves for 15 minutes. I mean, we have to shift that. We have to. It's it's imperative for us as individuals and also as a collective whole. If we can't sit with our most valuable asset, then how can we show up for anyone else in our lives? So did you use any of that around pain management? So not necessarily at the time that I knew of. So retrospectively, yes, I was, but I wasn't purposeful enough. I didn't know enough you at didn't the time. Know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for me, I always had anxiety growing up as a kid. Yeah. And I, that's what I was wondering, yes. asking before. I didn't want to say anxiety, but oh, yeah. yes. I had anxiety did. as a kid, yes. And we didn't know it. I was never diagnosed yeah. because, you know, you're a type A perfectionist and you get straight A's and right. what's wrong? Nothing's right. wrong. But I always had stomach aches. And so I was always getting screened. They thought I had cancer, or whatever, GI stuff. Um, turns out it was just anxiety or not just anxiety, but it was a symptom of anxiety. Right. Um, and so this was the first time I actually was like, oh my gosh, these techniques are helping me feel normal. Like I feel happy. I feel calm. I can sit with myself. And that was the first time I also got diagnosed with anxiety because I started to see, oh, something is up here, right? If right. this is how I'm supposed to feel or this is how I can feel and I'm not feeling that way every day, what is the underlying thing here? Um, so I got diagnosed with anxiety at that time. It's a really pivotal time in my life. I found all these techniques and I just became obsessed with teaching other people about them. All right. So I want us to go into some techniques first. Yes. I want to tell you one more story. Yeah. And so my my niece, who's my namesake too, and I want to get her on the show and you should probably meet her too. Yeah. So she is graduating from high school this year, but her sophomore year, she's a big soccer player, sophomore year or freshman year, whatever, tore her ACL. Mm-hmm. She uh, went through surgery, came out fine. And then all of a sudden, she was having this terrible pain in her leg. My sister took her to the doctor, and the doctor was like, they thought at first it was nerve damage. It was not indeed nerve damage. But if you looked at her leg, it would swell up. It would mm-hmm. get hot. It would be red, and she'd be in pain. There was no actual physical pain. It, mm. was, it was neurological. And so 
there's it's some disease. I forget what it's called. Sure. But it wasn't triggered until she had had this surgery and then the brain thought hmm. this has happened. So basically the doctor said to her, good luck. We are going to send you to a pain clinic and your daughter's going to have pain for the rest of her life. Gosh, and she's like 16 or 18 she's, or whatever. Right, right, yeah. Exactly. 16 wow. or 15, whatever. So my sister's like, okay, I'm going to go research this. And uh, Cleveland Clinic, speaking mm-hmm. of Ohio, Cleveland Clinic has this program that's designed just for this. And um, it gets to the point with some children where they're in a wheelchair. Then mm. they're in that pain. Right. What they taught her was mindfulness. Yeah. So you don't focus on the pain because we used to add like, we used to ask, what's your pain threshold today? Right. Oh, no, no, no. You don't ask that ever. You say, what goals did you accomplish today? Right. Uh, they taught her cognitive behavioral therapy so that she mm. can work through anxiety yeah. as it relates to, hey, you're going to go to a party. Right. What are you worried about? And then she talked through that with my sister. Mm. Movement, um, chair, yoga, so that she would be like, but it was all around the mindfulness connected to the body to the point where the brain would rewire yes. that pain trigger to no longer be there. Yes. And I'm so proud of her. She went back there like six months later mm. and the doctor said, the way that you're heading, you, I mean, you, she's still going to live with the pain, right? but not to the extent that it was. And eventually he believed that it would start to dissipate. Or yeah. Decrease. That's amazing. I would love to meet her. She sounds inspirational. She's yeah. a little nugget. That's amazing. So that ties back to all the work that you got, that you really are location. Well, and it's amazing because you hit the nail on the head. We can rewire our brains. And that's the amazing, amazing part of all this is recent up until probably 15, 10 years ago, we thought our brains stopped developing at a certain point. Some would argue 21, some 25, whatever. Right. But now we know our brain can change for our entire life. So we always have the ability to rewire our brain through practice, consistency, and certain habits. So I think that is one of the most fascinating parts to me Yeah, is because even if we have extreme levels of trauma, if we have anxiety, if we have depression, if we've experienced um, pain, um, anything in our lives, we still have the ability to change that. And it might take more effort for some than others, but we have the ability to do that and shift our brain patterns. Okay. So how? So teach us, let's give a, some practical, I, my listeners love practical tips and techniques. Let's talk about that. Great. So I always teach beginners two things. One In the moment, I recommend breath techniques. So mindfulness to me is this nice preventative thing that we do every single day that retrains our brain over time. And it's being in the present moment, setting an intention to pay attention to whatever is happening in a non-judgmental way. Okay. So the non-judgment part is often the hardest part for us as humans because we might be sitting in traffic and, okay, we're paying attention and we notice how we feel in traffic and our music's off and we're listening to the silence and... I don't like how I feel, right? And I'm right. going to judge that experience. Yeah. And mindfulness trains us not to judge, just to see. Okay, I'm in traffic. And my mind wants to label this as bad, but can I be curious instead? Can I just notice what is the experience I'm experiencing? What is it? Can I let it be as it is? And so in order to build up to that mindful awareness, we have to do some formalized practices. So that means sitting every day, even if it's just 60 seconds, in some kind of formal mindful attention Um, I call it an anchor meditation. You can call it breath watching too. But picking one thing to focus on. Yes. Finding stillness, focusing on that one thing, noticing the mind wanders come back. Noticing the mind wanders come back. Okay. Again and again and again. 
That's how simple it is. Um, how many minutes? Start with 60 seconds. Please do not start with 20. You will hate it and you will quit. Um, so start <laughs> with 60 good. seconds and then increase. We want to work up uh, to first somewhere. First I love how you've picked, I think you've probably been choiceful in 60 seconds versus saying one minute. Yeah. 60 seconds sounds like, you know, that I like it sounds bigger and more important than just one minute. Right. Yeah. And it is. It can actually make but a difference. But it's hard. Yeah. It is hard. It's hard. We don't like to do this. It's difficult. Your body will want to move. You'll want to fidget. Your brain will say, this is boring. This is yes. dumb. It's not going to work, whatever. Just notice. Just notice those thoughts. Okay. Sit. And um, if you've experienced a lot of anxiety or trauma, pick something outside of the body to focus on. Okay. So pick something to watch, like a visual. Maybe it's that plant behind you. For example, we watch the leaves. We focus on one thing. Maybe it's a candle. Maybe it's a light, whatever it is. Pick one thing or it's a sound, a consistent sound in that moment. But if you've experienced that trauma, pick something outside of the body. If you haven't, pick something that's maybe inside the body. So the breath okay. um, or... Why? Explain that to me. Um, sometimes mindfulness can be triggering for experience for the people who've had a lot of physical trauma because we're asking you to sit with that. And so without me being in the presence of those individuals or without those individuals having a coach or support, I don't want to blindly say, try this because it can be triggering. Okay. Um, So for a blanket statement for all those listening, um, it might be helpful to choose something outside of the body because that helps you be mindful, increase your awareness, but not necessarily have to sit with the pain if you're not ready. Okay. So I'm loving that you're saying this and here's why. I... I used to go to this coach. She's an energy coach. She's amazing. Yeah. And she would go, we, we called it the observer, yeah. right? Where I would be the observer. When I was upset, I'd be the observer. I could observe it, but I could not, I could call it out, but then I'd fall back into the connection, the attachment to mm. it. And I never, your point around do a, you need to do a couple things in order to be the observer of what I, and that is that daily meditation to be present, Right. right. What else? So daily meditation, huge, going to help. Those are formal practices. Okay. You can also practice informally. So if you're walking, use your five senses. Instead of looking at your phone, instead of thinking about your to-do list, what you're going to make for dinner, a conversation that you're ruminating on that happened this morning, Yeah. what are five things you see? What are three things you hear, four things you smell, two things you taste, one thing you feel, et cetera? So use those five senses to bring you into the present moment. Um, Play I Spy. It's a game for children, but it can be great for adults. So wherever you are, what are... That's fun. Right. What do you see around you? Yeah. And how often are we on habitual autopilot and we don't even notice what's around us? I know. I think COVID, for me at least, has helped me be really aware of Mm. what's around me, especially outside. Because during the workday, I'd get out of the house because I had to get out right. and walk around the neighborhood. And I'd be like, my God, this is this year's season of budding trees has been the best yeah. ever. No, it hasn't been the best ever. It's you just, just I saw it. it. Yes. Yeah. Which is amazing. I love that point because some people are like, mindfulness is going to help me with my stress. Mindfulness is going to help you enjoy the pleasant moments more. Gratitude. It helps you when you eat a peach, really eat a peach. Yeah. Notice the taste, the feel of it. It really brings joy and vibrancy and experience. Um, It amplifies the positive moments in our lives. So it's not just about decreasing stress, decreasing pain, et cetera, which it definitely does, but it's also about amplifying the positives. So informal practices, formal, mindful sitting, informal, you can do walking, five senses activity, Mindful listening, so actually listening to people yeah. um, instead of thinking about what you're going to say next, which is what we all do. Yeah. 
Um, and then on top of that, I teach breath techniques and I said that first, so I'll loop back around. But when we're in states of extreme stress or anxiety, we want breath techniques. Okay. Because the breath automatically calms the body. It automatically triggers, if used correctly, the parasympathetic nervous system, which is in charge of rest and digestion. Okay. So what we want to do, my favorite breath, is inhale through the nose for two and exhale through the mouth for four. Yep. That's it. Inhale two, exhale four. If you know what diaphragmatic breathing is, breathe into your diaphragm. Uh Um, On the inhale, the belly should actually inflate. On the exhale, we want it to deflate. Sometimes we don't realize that. We're not actually taught that. Um, And I will tell you, that's easier for me now and starting out when I'm laying on my back. It's harder for me sitting up. Mm. Why is that? I don't exactly know why, but I would agree with you. I think it's much easier. I think it's the way our muscles are aligned when we're on our back. Yeah. Um, Because I'll put my hand on my tummy and then I can, you know, like. Yeah. You're more relaxed probably. Um, You're probably more grounded too. So the more parts of your body that connect with the ground beneath you, the more grounded and settled you are in that moment. So um, definitely laying down is a great way to try that. Um, If you are seated though, do still put a hand on your belly and see if that helps. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, inhale two, exhale four, or three, six, four, eight. All you have to do is double the count of the exhale to the inhale. Why? It automatically tells the nervous system to calm down. So it's your body and your brain Never communicating with your nervous system. Yes. So simple. So simple. Did you learn that from John? No. So since John, I like am a junkie. I've done so many different teacher trainings. I can't remember. I think I learned that when I did a pranayama teacher training, which is breath training yeah. um, at Yoga and High in Columbus. And I think I learned it from that. Okay, got it. Got um, it. But yeah, then I did a graduate certificate in positive psychology. So I learned a lot of different modalities, pranayama, yoga. Um, I did a lot of training with John and mindfulness and MBSR, which is mindfulness-based stress reduction. That's the full eight-week course that we teach. Okay. Um, It's the most studied, most scientifically-based mindfulness course that's out there. We actually do teach it in Cincinnati just once every quarter. Where? Um, We teach it in a breathing room, so you can find it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful space? Yes. I love it there. Yeah, so we— I also think they're so progressive and future thinkers around mind-body— connection they're awesome awesome so we actually teach through uc so mira murphy who's a psychologist in town and i are both trained as mindfulness-based stress reduction certified teachers so we flip on and off but mira has one coming up in the fall okay great and what where do they find this information out on uc's center for integrative health and wellness website okay Um, you can also go to my Instagram and then I'm doing online courses in the meantime. So I'm starting an eight week course for, um, beginners and we just finished one. It was fantastic. It was 25 friends actually. And so it was really fun. We did it on zoom and it's interactive. People can ask like, am I doing this right? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, and we teach a mix of mindfulness and also breath techniques. So you can manipulate the breath in many, many ways to get a desired outcome. So I teach a breath for focus. We teach a breath for relaxation. We teach breath for sleep. So, um, we weave all that into the mindfulness. Do you do any mantras in there? Like TM stuff? I have practiced TM. I don't teach TM. I'm not certified to. Um, do you like TM? What do you think about it? I think it's different than mindfulness. I resonate more with mindfulness, but I think people should practice what resonates with them. Okay. What 
So maybe explain the difference between the two. Yeah. So TM, and this is like super basic. If there's anyone that's experienced teacher, I'm I'm explaining this in basic terms. Um, But TM is kind of like zoning out. Like it's going to like your happy space and like checking out and like mindfulness is bringing you into the present moment. So it's actually like sometimes mindfulness is hard because you're experiencing and looking at things you don't like. Right. So if I have to sit with the darn pain in my neck, I don't want to sit with the pain in my neck, right? But it's through that sitting with that we can release. Okay, so today I have a headache. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I think it's allergy-based. Yeah. Um, And I actually thought about this before you came. I'm like, I'm either going to go take Advil or I'm going to talk to Merritt about how I can manage the pain. Yeah. So headaches are hard. I get headaches too. Progressive muscle relaxation um, is my favorite for headaches. So it's clenching, relaxing, clenching, relaxing. Your hands? You do your whole body. Um, so how do you do that? Clench your toes, clench your feet, relax, clench your calves, relax, clench your thighs, relax your stomach, your back all the way up and you'll get to your head. You'll clench your jaw. You'll make a face, um, like you're puckering a lemon or something Yeah, and then relax. And through that, we're, we're teaching our body. Sometimes our body forgets how to relax because we're so constricted. So we have to remind it that it's tense. So by over-tensing, we remind it that it's tense, and then it can relax. Interesting. That might help with your headache. Um, also, just seeing it and being okay with it. So I, actually, the be- beginning of our recording, I saw it, and I was like, this is what it is. Be present with Meriden. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I think the breathing helped a little bit because it subsided a little bit. And that was just one breath. I was like, oh, my God, you're a miracle worker. <laughs> I don't know about that. But it, honestly, it, it, it actually has subsided yeah Yeah. and part of the acceptance part of mindfulness that i love is we add so much extra tension and stress to our lives by fighting what is oh i have a headache i don't want to have a headache Mm -hmm. oh i hate this headache you know so we're adding all this extra layer of energy to the headache whereas if we just said okay i have a headache i'm going to take some deep breaths and relax into it it might not fix it it might not alleviate it completely but it's going to make it better yeah cuz i can manage it better to me it's so i get anxiety too mm-hmm. to me it's like if i am panicking that i have the anxiety it's a snowball rolling down it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. whereas if oh yeah that's how i'm feeling right now try okay. that so you asked if we do i do mantras and i do but i don't necessarily call them mantras but my favorite is and so it is so add and so it is at the end of every sentence that you say, so I have a headache, and so it is. Okay, and and when you say, and so it is, mm-hmm. what are you saying behind that? It is you know the way I mean? it is, right? Like, so like I have acceptance. a headache, and so it is. I'm accepting that it is, and okay, now what do I do with that information? So acceptance and mindfulness isn't being passive. Yeah. It's actually just seeing the information for what it is, and so it is. Um, I have anxiety, and so it is. I'm not going to fight the anxiety, and so it is. And that allows us then to do something about it next. It allows us to change the next moment. So I have anxiety. I've accepted it. And now what helps me with my anxiety? Now that I've accepted that I have it, what are my coping mechanisms? What do I do next, right? But if we're still in that place of fighting, we can't do the next step that's going to help us. So I know people would say, well, I, I, can't, I can't say, and so it is. I can't accept that. Mm. How do they get to the, to the acceptance part? Fake it till you make it. So say it even if you don't mean it. Okay. And it might seem completely funny. So this is a different example, but I work with a lot of 16- to 18-year-old girls actually as individual clients around anxiety, self-esteem, et cetera, these techniques that I wish I had learned at their age. Yeah. And one of my clients right now is just really mean to herself in her head, beats herself up all the time. 
And so we're talking about positive affirmations. So I said, can you say to yourself, I am funny, I am beautiful, and she can't. That doesn't resonate with her yet, right? She cannot say that because she feels so fake saying that. So I said, can you just say, I'm okay, or I'm average? Can we start with something and work our way And then build. Right. And so we're starting with these very might sound funny phrases, right? I'm average, yeah. right? Yeah. And then the next week we worked up to, okay, I'm I'm more than average or I'm okay, I'm good, right? And we worked up to this this saying these positive things, but you might have to one, she didn't really believe it when she was saying it at first. But the more she said it, the more she believed it. And you might have to start with something that's a little scaled back. So and so it is doesn't feel right for you. Maybe it's I don't like this, but it is what it is. Yeah. Right? So maybe you're acknowledging the fact, I don't like this. I don't want it to be this way, but it is. Okay. So, you know, since the pandemic has hit, what do you see the world's response has been to to this, Mm. good, good or bad? So we as a society are not mentally resilient. I think we've certainly seen that. Um, I've been hired more and more recently, which I'm happy about to work with corporate clients because People are struggling. Yeah. Um, our hotline numbers, the suicide hotline numbers, have increased 11 times on a national level since this time last year. Really? Yes. People are really struggling. Part of that is, I mean, there's people who are furloughed. There's people who are out of work, right? There's right. that. But then it's also, back to our original point, we haven't been trained to just sit and be. Yeah. So with this idea of doing less, being more, people are like, what the heck is this? Right. We haven't been conditioned to do this. We've been conditioned to be robots, to go and do and do and do. So I see it at, in from that regard, not from many other regards, but yeah. from that regard as being something good. Because I think many, many people through this experience will learn how to be more and do less. Um, I personally, I would say I... agree with that. Even like, this is such a small thing, but like our social calendar used to be packed. Mm -hmm. I used to think that I needed to go out to dinner X number of times a week. And now I'm like, I like being cooking at home. And yeah, I mean, I'm pro restaurant, so I'm not saying that, but you know what I mean? Like there are alternatives and I had created that habit and that pattern that I, it was kind of a rat race. Like I thought I needed to do that to be happy. Yeah. Oh, we would on a given Saturday and I'm guilty of it too. We would have, oh, we're going to go to the pool with these people and then we're going to grab happy hour with these people and we're going to have dinner with these people. And yeah. Like, Why? Why? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think this is definitely going to help people slow down a little bit. Yes. Um, but I also think it's going to force people to deal with some of the things they've been suppressing. So if someone tells me I hate mindfulness, I hate meditating, it's usually because there's things there they don't want to deal with, they don't yeah. want to see yeah. um, mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it is. So COVID and this quarantine and really slowing down for some people has forced them to look at things they maybe didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think for some it's been particularly painful and hard um, to start to deal with those things and look at them. But the good news is, is moving through those things Bring such joy. At so the I end. love how you said that because that was such a um, empathetic response when people say I hate mm-hmm. meditation. Because you know what I'm thinking about it. I'm like I have heard people say that. Mm, yeah. And actually, when they said that, I was like kind of like judgy. I'm like, 
dude, you don't even know what it is to yeah. hate it. But actually, they're probably hating it because there is something behind the surface there. Right. So I love that you said that so right. empathetically. Well, I just think of my dad, who I love so much, but he's this like type A lawyer. He's go, go, go. Like He's just never stopped a day in his life, right? Yeah. He's like worked 16-hour days, and he's in his 70s. And to him, he would never stop. Right. Because then what, right? What has he been? Yeah putting off for 70 years that he'd then have to examine. So I always think, I always hold him in my heart and then it's easy for me to be empathetic with others yeah. about that. Yeah, you are. That's really good. Thank you. All right, so um, maybe the last couple minutes share, what are some things that like you're working on, some cool yes. um, business things that you're doing? Because you've got a lot of cool stuff out there. Got a lot going on. So you can take one of my online courses, which I'm continuously expanding and developing. It's Co- amazing, by the way. COVID has been good for me because it's kind of forced me into that space. I'm telling you, the online, because I, I, I've not taken yours, but yeah. I, I will. But the other, I've taken some, game changer. Yeah. I love it. Love it. And I really love actually teaching mindfulness people when they're in their space. Because they can get so much more relaxed, right? right? They're not in a studio, which is, I love studios. But yeah. when we're in our own space, sometimes it's easier for us to open up. I took a manifestation class. Oh, cool. With who? I know. So groovy. Um, now you called me on it. I'm going to forget Is it someone local or not? No, okay. no. She's Got like it. in LA or something. To be magnetic. Yes. Yes. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. What's her name? Lacey. Lacey. Yeah. Phillips. Lacey Phillips or Lacey. Yeah. Yeah, I I subscribe to their monthly stuff. Yeah. 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 I took that and it was amazing. I love that stuff. Yeah. Now's the time to be. So love that you're doing that. Okay. What else? Online classes. um, Ashley Sullivan, who's a local psychologist here, she runs Galia Collective. What's G A L I A. If you are looking for a psychologist and you're a female, whatever age, um, adolescent or adult, I love her practice. She specializes in postpartum, um, becoming a mom teenage girls, eating disorders across the spectrum. Um, But her and I put it on hold because of COVID, but we are going to relaunch um, a course for adolescent girls on resiliency. Fantastic. um, And building these skills into their skill set, their toolbox before something happens. Right. Um, And we also know these techniques help with performance. So they help with... Sorry, go back to that. Where can they, where can people find Sorry, yes. So again, follow me on Instagram. It'll all be posted there. Thank you. Um, And for those who are listening, your Instagram handle is... Meriden. So it's a unique name. It's M-E-R-I-D-E-N-M-W-B, mental well-being. So it's Meriden M-W-B. Very proud of you for um, doing your branding around your name. Thank you. you. Yes. Yeah. And I know Jeannie Parling, shout out to you. Jeannie, thank you for convincing me to do that. (laughs) She was right. Yes. Okay. So Instagram there. Yes. Instagram there. Um, Mind Thrive is the course. Um, So Cool name. Yeah. Thanks. Ashley came up with that. I can't claim it. Um, Whatever. But it's great because the way we're convincing girls that age to do this is they can do better on tests. They can do better at sports, right? Oh, that's their but then, hook. Yeah, that's their hook. And then also, great, it helps you with stress and overall well-being and all these things that we really care about as adults for them. Um, so we're doing that. I have a corporate program with the University of Cincinnati. So Sean Cotton, Dr. Sean Cotton, do you know her? She helped, she spoke at the... Symposium. So she that's her center. Um, so she runs the Integrative Center at UC. Um, and so her and I are business partners on corporate mindfulness programming. So we've created an eight-week course that we use, and then we just did a six-week COVID series for businesses. Um, and we have some pretty strong pre and post data around that. So we can show 
statistically significant changes in stress, resiliency, empathy. Um, and we go into companies and do that eight-week program with them. We're now doing it virtually, which has been great. Amazing. Um, also great because, I don't know, some people don't like to be vulnerable in front of their coworkers. Yes. So they can turn off their camera. They can, you know, do their own thing. It's yeah. great. Um, so you can find that through the University of Cincinnati Integrative Center's website. Okay. And then finally, I do individual clients. Um, right now, it's a lot of 16- to 18-year-old girls, which I love because it's just like I see so much of myself in them. I'm like, oh, yes, I would want this when yeah. I your age. Um, and they probably don't see me in them. I'm like so old and not cool. Stop. <laughs> stop. stop. <laughs> um, and But then I work with all different ages. And the individual sessions are great because I can really tailor the content. Yeah. So you would say, I'm really experiencing anxiety. So we'd start first with breath. Or you might say, I really want to learn how to focus better. So we'd start first with specific techniques for that. So it just really allows us to tailor. Um, and then with the group sessions, I have those online ones, but people can also um, hire me to do group sessions for their friends. So I've had book clubs have me come oh, in. No. Yeah. Um, I've had different women's groups have me come in. Um, and I do one-hour lunch and learns too. So I give presentations on this all the time. Like today. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess it wasn't lunch. It was in no, the usually it's just groups of very, like, a thousand people, which is so fun for me. And it's I miss awesome. it so much. So, listeners, Meredith was saying that today she did one and yeah. um, the oh, painters showed about. up or somebody showed up. Yeah, I'm on the, with PNG. I'm on the line <laughs> with PNG and I have like 200 people on the line on the Zoom call that I'm leading a video. And we have people that are redoing our front porch and they're knocking, knocking, knocking. <laughs> My dog's going crazy. And it took everything in me. I'm like taking deep breaths, like not to say the F word <laughs> loudly. <laughs> you practiced what you preach. Exactly. Exactly. I was able to stay calm. Yes. Well, we are so lucky to have you in Cincinnati. Thank you. And obviously the world is lucky to have you, but you oh. know, I love our Cincinnati peeps. Yes. So thank you so much. You. Check out Meriden's Instagram page. That's where you My can find My website is under construction. So it's been under construction for a while, but that's okay. It's okay. You'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got the IG. Yeah. That's enough. But it's MeridanMWB.com. It's the same Instagram handle, but just .com. Yeah. And website. it'll be um, in our in our notes. Yes. But uh, thank you. And, thank you. And uh, thanks for helping me work through my headache today, yeah, too. Yeah. I'm glad it helped. This was so much fun. <laughs> thank you. A big thank you to our most recent Patreon donation, Megan P. And if you haven't donated yet and you love what you hear, you can go to our website at failforwardpod.com and donate there. I want to thank our sponsor, Corporate Consciousness, and everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Fail Forward Pod.